Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 48, The Dishonoring of God in Popular Spiritual Warfare Teaching. Last week, we talked about the issues surrounding whether or not Jesus descended into hell. Today, we're going to pick up with the ransom theory of the atonement. So to get us started, do you just want to define that for us? Well, the main issue about the ransom, the Bible does mention the ransom. He, he gave his life as a ransom for all. Okay. But really what's at issue is whether it's the blood of Jesus averts God's wrath against sin, therefore saves us out of slavery, okay. Okay, or whether Satan has to somehow be dealt with or paid a ransom or have authority over the earth wrestled from him. Okay. So there are different versions of it. But basically, the idea is Satan was in control and Jesus has to do something so Satan is no longer in control and he can get us back. All right. In your article, you quote Sinclair Ferguson uh, with this summary of the ransom theory. Okay. In this situation, God offered Christ to the evil one as a ransom in exchange for sinners. Satan eagerly accepted the offer, realizing that he was getting far more than he was giving up. But when he got Christ down into hell, he found that he could not hold him. On the third day, Christ rose triumphant and Satan was left with neither his original prisoners nor the ransom price. Right. Now, Ferguson isn't teaching that. He's telling us what it is. Right. It's a great clarification. He was just giving us a definition of it. Right. And so, sadly, that was held for a long time in the early church, but it's just flat out wrong. Yes. Now... I notice when I'm reading various versions of this, Kenneth Copeland's version, then you go back to E.W. Kenyon, where it all came from. A lot of it came from in this modern uh, version. Uh, then you have the apostles and prophets in their version of it. You have Bill Johnson out in Redding, California. I wrote an article about him called An Invasion of Air. Okay. And he holds to something like this. Um, there's a lot of versions of this Satan being the one who's ruling the earth until Jesus does something about it, or he gets us back. All right. And so last week we dealt with, did it happen in hell? And there's plenty to be said about that, but we gave you ways you can find resources on that so you can understand that no, Jesus died, went to heaven. Um, into thy hands I commit my spirit. So here, now we have to deal with Satan. But let me back up a little bit, okay? After reading a bunch of these during the last week, preparing for this, I thought about something. How does God explain what happened? This is all going back to Satan tempting Eve, sin and rebellion, Adam being removed from the garden, and then what happens after that? Okay. Okay. As we showed you, Copeland claims all authority on earth was given to Satan. Wow. All right. 
And I've even seen teachers in some of the books I'm reading now in research, when Satan was tempting Jesus, he said, all of this has been given to me to give to whoever I want. If you worship wow. me, I'll give it to you. Well, the teachers are actually agreeing with Satan. Right. Now, if you go back into the Old Testament and then also look at some New Testament passages, and if you read all of the Old Testament, not just your favorite proof text, you don't get the idea that Satan is determining the boundaries of nations. No, absolutely Satan not. Satan is determining who the king is going to be. Okay. Okay. We do know that the nations are under the sons of God, which are fallen beings. But if you listen to our series on that, in the divine council, Satan showed up at council meetings, like in Job 1.6. Right, but he wasn't leading the council meetings. Well, he, no, he was looking for permission. Yes. Okay. He's Well, even in the New Testament, remember Jesus said to Peter, Satan's demanded permission to sift you as wheat? Like wheat, right. Well, so they ignore all that and say, well, Satan's already in charge. Now Jesus has to do something about it. No, he has to get permission. He had to get permission in the case of Job. Mm -hmm. And in the case that we covered in Kings about Ahab and these 400 false prophets in Micaiah, a lying spirit went with permission from God to deceive his prophets in order to yeah. judge Ahab. And then you have in Acts 17, Jesus saying to the Athenians, the God that draws out the boundaries of the nations. Right. And yeah. determines their time. So if you look at the whole counsel of God, God's always been in charge. Amen. Satan certainly is constantly accusing and looking for opportunities to tempt, to cause people to not believe God or not trust God or to disobey God. But when he said, all of this is given to me to give to whoever I want, the Old Testament says that's a lie. Right. You, you, you can't take the words of Satan too seriously. Well, I just was reading another book from somebody in a little different kind of movement like this, who was taking that literally, saying, see, that's how we know Satan's in charge, because he told us. Wow. <laughs> he told Jesus. But, uh, you know, Jessica, I'm trying to help people learn. That's not how you do theology. Right. That's not how you search the scriptures like the Bereans to find out if these things are true. In Luke's version, I, that's my favorite version because I've studied it for the last 20 years, Luke Acts. I've been really focusing on that. The implication is that God is at work and the temptations are not telling us that Satan's in charge of God's creation, especially over the earth, and that Jesus has to somehow get it back. Okay. Satan's power is in our own sin against God. Right. He accuses us day and night. Zechariah says he's the accuser. Revelation says he's the accuser. And in Revelation, 
they finally overcome him by the blood of the lamb. How? That's in Revelation. Copeland and Cumbly say, well, no, at the cross, Jesus had to go get deal with it. Okay. But even in Revelation at the end, he talks about the overcomers. They overcome him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they love not their life even unto death. Amen. And so he's accusing before God. Why? Because God is the judge of all the earth. Yes. They didn't change. Now, how does the New Testament portray this? Okay. When Adam sinned, did God say, well, now you've done it. Satan has all authority over the earth. Never. Nowhere does God's word say now, that. What are you going to do? Yeah. Satan cursed you, so you're just cursed. No, God said that he was going, the, the ground was cursed. That okay. he, he's kicked out of paradise by God. What did Satan say? You'll be like God. Well, it was a lie. But it was a temptation to ascend to deity, to rebel and not acknowledge God for who he is. And that you'll know good and evil. But, he, but in, in giving in to the temptation, what happened? Did authority over the earth get transferred to Satan? Well, how does the New Testament describe it? Ephesians 2.1. You were dead. 1 Corinthians 15.22. In Adam all die, and Christ all are made alive. Right, yeah. It says elsewhere, death entered the world. Okay. So it wasn't about who has authority over the earth. God always had that. It's about whether you're dead or alive. Right. So if you're dead, you're separated from God. Okay. And facing eternal death. So they ignore all that in order to do this. They ignore, as we talked about in an earlier episode, um, Jonah. There's no way, under their scheme of things, Nineveh could have been saved. Right. That's true. Because God would have no authority over Nineveh. God would have no authority unless somebody gave it to him. And it's not exactly as this... Uh, I'm reading a guy by the name Dutch Sheets right now, and it's very, very confused. Very confused. Seriously confused. But yeah. God has to have an intercessor to release Jesus' intercession. At least I was reading that the last few days. But wait a second. Did, did Jonah go there and start interceding for Nineveh? No. No, he didn't. He want them to be saved. <laughs> no. He, he, he was supposed to go and preach and tell them to repent. He didn't want to do it. Yeah. Down to the fish, he spit out. So he does it. And then when they are saved, he sits there and pouts about it. Right. He, he was oh. he basically said, I knew this was going to happen. Well, why? How did he know that that was going to happen? Because God said. Because he knew who God had revealed himself to be. Yes. God who shows mercy and loving kindness. Amen. This was grounded in the nature of God, not God being stuck with Satan having the authority over the earth. Right. That is a great point. Okay. So, like I said, listeners, beware of triumphalistic preachers claiming all kinds of things, 
who ignore every verse that doesn't agree with what they're saying. They hope you don't even know about it. Right. Okay. Don't listen to them. Kenneth Copeland is a, not just a false teacher. He's a serious, damnable heretic. Yes. Because he's denied the deity of Christ. And the New Testament tells us not to even allow anybody like that to teach. Right. Don't bring his teachings into your churches. It's wicked. Yeah. And same with Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Copeland Jr., and whoever the latest iteration is. Okay. Now, they want to come out and learn the truth and repent, say, no, Jesus is God, and his deity is never compromised and never goes away, and he's, his deity is not contingent, just like the deity of the Holy Spirit, the deity, deity of the Father, and that the atonement was God, God's wrath against sin being averted by Jesus's blood that was shed once for all. I would love to see that kind of repentance, but they'll never, ever, ever admit they were wrong about anything. Right. Because that'd be a negative confession. That's true. And so, there are so many layers to all of this, all of their false teaching. Well, I know. But just get this one right. If you get the doctrine of Christ right, you get a long ways toward not being deceived by these people. That's right. And the doctrine of God, the triune God of the Bible. Who's God? Is he eternal and non-contingent? Or is he dependent on his own creation? You know, that's why your title for this article is so great. It, it really is about dishonoring God. It really is dishonoring to God. Right. See, I wrote that article about the time I wrote my thesis that I needed to have to graduate from seminary. Okay. It was in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And it was hard to do because you had to write an article that has an integrating motif, they called it. And, and it can't be something everybody wants to write about, like the grace of God. You need to find something that's a, a, an important truth that most people haven't written about. They want us to show something new and interesting, but yet biblical. Okay. But integrate all the doctrines of systematic theology. Okay. So I chose honoring God. Wow. And I went through all the important doctrines of the Bible under the motif honoring God. We published that somewhere, Critical Issues Commentary. And when I published it, I was, I was really humbled. I couldn't believe I heard this. But my, one of my readers was Dr. Brooks, who's written some of the commentaries we have. Great teacher. And he was very much older at that time, older than I am now. But they have to read these things, and a lot of times it's laborious, and some of them are good and some of them aren't. And when it came to integrating the motif, he said it was the best he had ever read. Wow, that is great. And I don't say that to brag about me, but it shows that the idea of honoring God is valid. Yeah. So how does it honor God to say that God lost control of his universe and he needs somebody to help him get it back? Right. It's so not now, and it's not honoring to God. So no. I used that in this title because it was something I was working on in my motif for my senior paper to graduate with a master's degree. That's what it was all about. So then how does this, this ransom theory of the atonement lead to false spiritual warfare teachings? Okay. Well, because 
in their theory, not only did Adam lose authority over the earth to Satan, God okay. couldn't do anything, basically, unless he found a man like a Abraham or somebody that obligated God to do something because Adam, or excuse me, Abraham believed in his own words. I have that audio, by the way. We could take some clips of it, but yeah, very heretical. But then, of course, it was lost and fumbled away. And so Jesus got it back when he went to hell, came out with it. But then according to this theory, it was the church was given the authority over the earth, and that's how they interpret uh, Matthew 28. And then it's lost again. Oh, no. The church fumbled it away. Okay. And now Satan is back doing what he wants to do all around the earth because the church who had been given authority over the earth now fumbled it away. And so uh, there's various versions of this. I've studied a lot of them. The Apostles and Prophets movement say, well, it had to be regained little by little. Okay. So starting, and then they have different theories about it. There's an article on the New Apostolic Reformation that I published that explains that theory. But okay. we got to get it back. Yeah, all right. And we get it back by speaking words of faith. And oh, it's claim, all about us. Look, we get to do it. Yeah, we got to do it. So they have these dramatic accounts of Christ's fighting with Satan in hell. And as a mere man, as someone said, he lost his divinity. Then he gained it back because he managed to win a wrestling match. But then there's other stuff. I quote in my article, Ed Silvoso. Ed Silvoso. Here's what he says. Quote, before Jesus' victory at Calvary, God would not become a trespasser by challenging Satan directly and related, matters related to man and the world under his control. That is Satan's control. If he did so, Satan could have called God a trespasser. Wow. Ed Silvoso, dear saints, Ed Silvoso is a wicked, blasphemous, false teacher who should be ashamed to ever say anything like that. Right. It's shocking. Well, how could you say that and know anything? about the teachings of the Bible. Yeah, you, you can't. I mean, it, you just, it's all, it is stunningly false. So the only way God figured out a way to legally get the earth back, and that was through Jesus. But the Bible portrays this as dead sinners who are under God's wrath and can only be atoned for by faith in the promises of God centered on the blood atonement. Yes. Blood atonement is seen all the way back to uh, Genesis in with uh, Abraham taking a provision for the altar. Okay. For the Passover, for the day of atonement. The blood atonement is found all throughout the Old Testament. And God provides the lamb. And the shed blood of Jesus pays for sins. Yeah. Okay? It's not wrestling it from Satan. Because he, the Bible doesn't say, he's called the God of this world, but meaning the rebellious idol, fallen spirit, in whose realm of death and darkness fallen sinners live. Right. 
But Satan himself is under God's authority. He had to ask permission, as we said. And so this is just false. So here's what I said about it. This theory dishonors God. It assumes that God has to pay a debt to Satan to get back his own creation. Wow. Well, I wonder how the flood happened. Right. I wonder how the Tower of Babel happened. Yeah. How did God confuse the languages of every person if he didn't have authority on the earth? How did he save Nineveh, as I said? How did he do that? Right. It's, Jonah's faith. God is completely sovereign over his own creation. He's always been in complete control. Well, some of these teachers will say that, not the word of faith ones, but so it dishonors God. So here's the fact, and I say this in my article, what is blatantly ignored by this theory is the fact that get man owed a debt of sin to God and was rightfully under his wrath. And the Bible talks about propitiation. Yes. The propitiatory, hilasterion in the Greek, is a word for the mercy seat in the Old Testament. Okay. But once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, after they did everything carefully, according to the stipulations of the Mosaic Covenant, once a year went into the holiest place, the Holy of Holies, and poured out the blood on the mercy seat. Wow. But Hebrews tells us that that was inadequate because it had to keep being done. Right. The good news is that Jesus Christ poured out his blood once for all. Right. Before the heavenly mercy seat and therefore paid for the sins of all who believe. Amen. We're under his wrath. And so that's called propitiation. Romans 3.25. Okay. Whom Christ, uh, I say in brackets, I'm quoting this, God displayed publicly as a propitiation, there's that word for mercy seat, in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Notice that phrase, passed over. Passed over, yes. Well, the Greek word for perpetuation, this is in my article, is mercy seat. The problem was God's wrath against sin. The problem was that in Adam all die. And the truth is, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Christ all are made alive. Here's the issue. How okay. do you end up in Adam? We just have to be born. Born by natural generation. Yep. We end up in Christ. We have to be born again. Right. So you're in Adam by natural generation. You can only be in Christ through supernatural regeneration. So atonement, the blood poured out of the mercy seat, is about being saved from God's wrath, not about God being saved from Satan's supposed supposed legal right over his own creation. Right. You say that again. Believers who trust in Christ are saved from God's wrath. God doesn't need uh, to be saved from le any legal rights that Satan supposedly has. Right. 
No, we just completed a long, I think, 18 episodes on showing how when we're born again, we're also transferred from Satan's dominion. That's how we get out from under Satan. We're covering this from a lot of different angles because most of popular Christian religion out there has got it totally false. Right. You have liberalism that believes in Eastern religion. Now they used to just believe in nothing, but trying to make the world a better place. You have the word of faith that denies the sovereignty of God, says that God had faith in his own words. And that's how he created. And if we have faith in our words, we have the God kind of faith and we can be the creators. Well, that's rank heresy. Then you have tamer versions of it, like the word of faith, not the word of faith. I mean, like the dominion theology taught by the new apostolic reformation and people like that. And there's every version of man gaining dominion by some means by getting things right and getting God to do what we want him to do. But let's get back to the basics. True deliverance from Satan is a result of the blood atonement. And this is because through the blood of Christ, Shed once for all, not in a Catholic mass. That's a lie. See, Jesus isn't Jesus isn't killed over and over and over again. Once for all, read Hebrews, and that delivers us from uh, our bondage of guilt before God. And because we are declared free from sin and righteous in Christ. Satan has no power over us. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We want to remind you that you can access this program and years worth of others, as well as many articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, if you'd like, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.